0: Are you a student athlete, one that hopes to play a college sport? Are you concerned about scholarship opportunities or perhaps getting a high enough score on the standardized tests like the SAT so that you can accept that full ride? Well, I've got some great news. Jean Burke has authored a course, College Prep Genius, that's sure to help you. In her course, which you can complete from the comfort of your own home, Jean goes into a step-by-step process on how to ace the SAT and increase your score, even if you've already taken the test. Don't wait. College Prep Genius is here for you. Use the short code bit.ly forward slash college prep genius to learn more. That's bit.ly forward slash college prep genius. Don't wait. Scholarships are out there, just waiting for you. Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome. Today, we're going to talk about how to ACT. And you can find the show notes for podcast sixty two at collegeprepgenius dot com forward slash podcast. And on the line with me is Jean Burke. Welcome, Jean.
2: Thanks, Elise. Good to be here.
1: Yeah. So we are going to talk about the ACT, um, which is a little bit of a switch because we talk about the SAT and so many of those things that are involved. So um, what? Um, colleges, you know, so, you know, when we talk about both of these, you're going to go through some similarities and differences, but which colleges take the um, ACT? And then let's talk about what does ACT stand for?
2: Well, you know, one of the biggest questions that I got, I got just today on a phone call from a lady who is hosting one of my classes in Utah, and she said, hey, I just want to make sure I heard you right. Are your SAT strategies applicable to the ACT? And I said, yes, they are. Um, but what I wanted to clarify, uh, because it's such a, a common question that we get all the time about the ACT, uh, just how it can be just like the SAT. And and I think one of the things that people don't know because they've just been fed whatever the media has given them or the, or the kind of propaganda that the ACT company, which by the way stands for American College Test, uh, what the sort of... Uh, hey, we're all about, you know, this, and we're not like the SAT. It's really just a lot of money spent on a bunch of hype. It's not true. But what I want to talk about is, you know, if it was, let's say, 20 years ago, um, it really made a difference on which test you took. Because back in, the, uh, you know, some time ago, a lot of the colleges up north or more in the Midwest, you know, preferred the ACT, and then the colleges that were on the west or east coast or down south, they preferred the SAT. So it really made a difference which test you took, depending on the college that you were going to go to. Um, but now a 100% of colleges take either one. And this is something that I, I'm constantly having to educate people on because they've been fed different stories, especially from their schools or parents in their area. Very often we'll say, well, we only do the ACT here. Um, well, what I want to say to them is, you know, maybe that's what your schools promote, um, but Oh, every college takes either one, and I think it's it's such a disservice to students to only promote the ACT uh, because then you don't promote the SAT, which of course means you don't promote the PSAT. And as you and I know, we've talked many times about right. the National Merit Scholarship Program based on PSAT. So you've got all these students who don't who don't have a clue about the PSAT, and they miss out on all these major scholarships because of the schools, you know, not promoting SATs as well. So, but. Again, ACT, it doesn't matter. Uh, One of the things is if a school were to prefer one over the other, then what they would do is they would convert the score. So let's say an SAT score of 1340 would be like a 29 on the ACT. So, um, again, I just have to emphasize that over and over again, it doesn't matter. Don't listen to what schools are telling you or your friends or your counselors or parents. Um, you know, ask the schools. They themselves know, and they'll tell you, we'll take either one. And, you know, sometimes just one more point on your ACT could equate to another $20,000. So it's really important to know, you know, obviously understand, you know, why either test is important and the kind of money that you can get on these tests. Wonderful.
1: And, you know, that's the thing. Um, we were talking before we went live, and I've looked at a lot of different college scholarship offers, and you see these numbers, and they look humongous and like one of my son's offers was $72,000 and you think wow, you know, over the course of four years. But when you're looking at a college that's $55,000 a year, that 72 doesn't go very far. So that's why it's so important that, you know, their scores are good because that's really where the bulk of the money is going to come. So that's um super important. Okay. So, no, you're you're, you're between, right. You're right. Go ahead. <laughs> Yes. You no, know, I was
2: just gonna say that's my battle cry. I mean, these right. tests are your golden ticket to free college. Standardized tests uh, are the only way a college can compare the abilities of the student across the country fairly. Uh, you know, and we said this many times: your your student's right. 4.0 is not the same as a student down the street's 4.0, since every school you know cal- calculates their scores differently. Um, so, you know, how do they make up for the obvious differences between the student's knowledge or their teaching aptitude? Uh, or the degree of difficulty that you know is in the curriculum, uh, or, or just plain old biases. So this is where these standardized tests like the ACT and SAT come in, because they compensate for any differences by leveling the playing field. And that is why it's you know it's so important for your students to, to do well, because of course it's you know it makes your student fair amongst everybody else and it's the only common denominator amongst all applicants because everybody can look the same on paper, but you have to have some fair way to, you know, to use as a yardstick for these students. And so that's why both the creators of the SAT and the ACT are guided by very similar philosophies. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their aim obviously is to design an instrument to assess the students' critical thinking and problem solving skills. Uh, and, you know, e- even the similarities of both tests go even much deeper well, let's cover those. You know, in both tests, students are going to have questions that are going to be objective and, and of course, only have one right answer. So like the SAT, the sections are divided into four sections. On the um, SAT, you've got math, two math, a reading, and a writing. On the ACT, you're going to have a math, one math section, one science section, a reading section, and a writing section. And so uh, these dedicated sections uh, help assess the learner's innate abilities. So these tricky and confusing phrases uh, often are purposely used to determine skill level. And so this also has the effect of checking how a student performs under pressure and their ability to identify exactly what is being asked of them. So, you know, whether you're taking the S C T or whether you're taking the ACT, their objective in, in the long run is going to end up being the same. So if we're talking about some Similarities as far as the, the basic tests themselves, reading on the SAT and ACT are basically the same, with the exception of the ACT has five answer choices, like the old SAT, and the SAT has four. The writing section or writing in language on the SAT, it's called English on the ACT, both test the same thing. They test grammar style and reading comprehension. Math, pretty much the same type of math. Algebra, some uh, statistics, you've got a little bit of trig. I think the main difference in the math section is there, there's no grid in boxes on the ACT. Um, science, there's no science on the SAT, but like I have told you in the past, you know, you don't even have to know one iota of scientific knowledge to ace the science section because it's really just like the reading section on the, the SAT itself, um, the information's in the passages and the graphs themselves. The SAT scores are not average, but again, here's a difference. The ACT scores are averaged. SAT is seven times a year. ACT is six times a year. I think one of the biggest differences, the SAT is unlimited attempts. So in other words, your sixth, seventh, eighth grader could start taking the SAT and keep taking it and taking it all the way through high school. Whereas the ACT, <clears throat> excuse me, is limited to only 12 attempts. And, uh, of course, the best you can get on the SAT is 1,600 and the ACT is 36. So very, very similar in formatting. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry.
1: Give me the numbers again. SAT, what's the score, the highest?
2: 1,600.
1: Okay. And then the ACT?
2: 36.
1: Is 36. Okay. All right. So and then the ACT, how many they can have up to... Up to 12 attempts? Well,
2: it, yeah, correct.
1: Okay. All right. And then do you recommend that they take it more times? or Because, I mean, different people say different things again. So what is your perspective on it?
2: My perspective is the more you take it, the better chances of improvements. It's kind of like the more, you know, Michael plays baseball, the better he gets. The more mm-hmm. you play piano, the better you're going to get. You're not hindering anything by taking it more than one time or two times or three times um, because every time you take it, you're going to start to see some patterns. Even if you didn't take a good test prep company uh, program, you're going to see some things that you may go, may not have seen the first time or you're more familiar with it. And so even the ACT, like the SAT, they, they super score. Many colleges will take the highest scores from different tests. So it's certainly not going to hinder you uh, to to go in there and attempt it several times, and so that's why you know I'm, I'm a big believer in starting early to certainly put time on your side. Very good.
1: Okay. And um, so, is does the SAT or the ACT have more content? Is it more content based than the um, SAT?
2: You know, this is where the I guess the big myth is or where the big money scam for lack of a better word is it comes into play because the ACT company has spent a whole lot of money touting themselves as this test about content or what your child has learned in school. And as a matter of fact, if you go to both the respective websites, S C T and A C T, they both will note, Well, our test is all about what you've learned in school or what what measures your you know your high school ability um, and as as you know that's that's not true at all, otherwise you wouldn't have seventh graders scoring higher than seniors who haven't even gone to high school yet. Um, no these tests are both logic tests they're both testing critical thinking skills you know um, what, what the examiners are more interested in is how well a student can critically think through a problem and considering they are given roughly you know about a minute per question and then move on and so If it was about content, it really wouldn't be fair to a student because what we learn here in Texas is not what you learn in Florida or what someone learns Mm -hmm. in another state. So it can't be based on a curriculum or a certain school that you went to. It has to be based on some kind of skill, which is your reasoning and your thinking skills um, that anybody can do well on regardless, you know, of what school you go to or, you know, or where you live. So this is why it's important. I think – you know, what's really crystal clear is that learning critical thinking skills would, will not only benefit students, whether they sit for one test or the other, uh, but plenty of other standardized tests, you know, the skills are transferable too. So that's why, as you know, I, you know, I always say get critical thinking into your kids' curriculum, into your, your daily school, because it's really going to pay off, you know, down the road, regardless of which test you take. It, it doesn't matter. I've got students who've got 35s on their ACT, and they just use my SAT program. Because once you kind of clue in that, oh, this is how you this is how you approach a test question or attack a certain type of question, and this is the type of trick questions that they use to make you second guess yourself. That's applicable certainly to the SAT and ACT, and as you know, so many more. Whether it's the GRE or the FBI test or the CPA test or whatever it is, they're they all, they're all standardized and they have to follow a certain pattern. And a certain rule to stay within that the, the standardized limits. Mm-hmm. Very good. And what is a TIR? The TIR, very very important. TIR stands for Test Information Release um, for the ACT. It's kind of like the Q and A uh, QAS service for the SAT. What this is, and I highly recommend anyone who's taking their students who are taking the ACT, to take the ACT at least these three times a year, December, April, and June. And what happens is once you take this test, you can request the TIR service. Uh, it's a small fee. It's not huge. Uh, and what happens is your student will be returned a clean booklet, not, not the one they use, but a clean booklet. It will also give them their scores. It will give them the correct answers. It will also show them areas, uh, types of questions that, that they had difficulty in. So you might find that your trig questions are the ones that you had the most question, problems in. Or maybe it's the subject-verb agreement questions on the writing section. So it's really, really important. And I, I'm a big believer in, in, in both tests um, because not only do you get um, your results and how well you did, but now you have three extra tests, practice tests that you can use again. ACT is very much like the SCT are very stingy with their test questions. They only have so many tests. ACT, for example, only puts their current practice tests online for free. Um, they usually keep them up there for, for about two years. And, you know, on their website, of course, ACT.org, you can get some sample questions. And then there's certainly a book that you can buy that's an ACT prep guide from, from their company. But there are only two real up-to-date ACT practice tests available unless you get that prep guide. So, you know, as you know, I've said it so many times, but only use official questions by either the college board for the SAT or the um, official ACT American College test, uh, test questions. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time and money. So by, by ordering the TIR service, it does give you that. Th- those three more practice tests that you'll have under your belt that you can keep using, you know, over and over again.
1: So this would mostly be for someone who is still, um, like in high school, not somebody who, because I know you've talked about taking the test, even if you're in college and like, for example, a like junior college and you want to transfer, that you can still get your SAT scores up or your ACT.
2: Oh, absolutely! Again, this varies per college. This is what you gotta mainly focus on the college that you're considering going to. Um, You know, in many cases, if you're a transfer student, they you don't need a test score. But then you've got your colleges that want to raise their rankings, and they they'll they'll accept the score for scholarship money. So, and and then even like you said, um, I've said before that there are colleges once you're already enrolled and you're already in school will allow you to go back and raise the test score and and give you more money. So uh, I wish it was a one-size-fits-all, but it's not. So that's why you have to talk to your specific college about it.
1: Great. Okay. And where um, do you
2: find the right way to practice? Well, learning the test-taking strategies is very key. Knowing that these questions are purposely misleading and the wrong answers are very tricky is important because otherwise – if you don't know that, let's say a student goes in and takes an ACT and gets a 19, goes and takes it again, probably going to get around a 19. And the third time they take it, they're probably going to get very close to that same score because what they're doing is they're doing the exact same thing uh, and they're not changing their approach to the test. Um, so understanding that these questions are all beatable questions, it's a beatable test, and knowing that Uh, You can answer these questions in 30 seconds or less is really very important because, again, just like the SAT, it's not about your students' IQ or how smart they are or what school they went to. It really is understanding the test. And so, if you take an S, if you want to write an essay, but you use math equations to write your essay, it's obviously not going to be a very good essay. It's like the same thing on the ACT and SAT. You go in there, and you approach it the way you would do in school, reading a question, looking for the answer, what's going to happen is they've already anticipated your wrong answers. They know these things. And so the wrong answer choices are going to be filled with um, answers that they know you're more more than likely going to pick if you don't understand, you know, the logic behind the question and the answers. And so understanding that, you know, you can beat this test, Uh, learning, you know, getting a good test prep program that does show you the recurring patterns on the test and how to answer correctly. And and then, again, like I said a moment ago, using only the real ACT questions to practice with. And they are stingy, um, but you can still find them. And, and by the way, do not um, get any um, ACT prep books um, prior to 2015, you know, a lot of times just the SAT changed and the ACT also had changes. And so you need to be very well, well aware of, you know, of going to a store or a used bookstore or going online and buying some old practice tests. Even though they're official from the ACT, um, prior to 2015, it's going to be obsolete information. Um, so, you know, this happens to me all the time. People will call me and they'll say, oh, we did a practice test, and we took the real test, and it didn't look like the same thing. And, you know, once I start talking with them, finding out they just bought some old tests, you don't want to do that. Some things may be applicable, but you don't want the student to be confused. So make sure it's anything 2016 or later for the ACT. Okay,
1: very good. So what about science? I know people panic about that and, um, you know, wonder if they have to be good at science to do well in the SAT.
2: Well, you know, it's it's funny because I think a lot of people base whether they're going to take the SAT or ACT simply on the science section. You know, parents will come to me all the time and say, you know, my students are really good in science, so we're going to do the ACT. Or vice versa, they're really bad in science, so we're going to do the SAT. Uh, you know, just like the math section where you don't have to be some math genius or some grammar genius for the writing section, same thing with the science section. Uh, a lot of times students will take the ACT and see unfamiliar things that are not covered in a science class. Again, that's because this is not a science test. The truth is more about knowing not so much about knowing any particular scientific knowledge or comprehending the passage, but more about reading information from the passage and finding the answer that restates what was in the passage, you know, just just like the reading section. Again, you don't have to read the whole passage. You know, all the information is right there in front of you, right there in your passage or right there in that graph or that chart. You've got your answer, you know, um, learning to circle some very key words. I think it's important. And the probably the, the difference as far as the questions, because as you know, on the SAT, you've got five types of questions in the reading section. Well, on the um, the science section, you have got five types of questions as well. You're, you're going to see your overall passage questions. You're going to see some direct questions asking about the chart or graph, uh, maybe some questions having to do with numbers and inferences. Sometimes they'll ask you about double facts or double chart questions. So. You know, again, it's really knowing where this information is found inside your passage or on your on your chart. Uh, so, uh, not studying a bunch of science. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to have, to have had any ma- any uh, biology or anatomy or um, you know uh, any kind of uh, science at all to do well in the science section. Because again, it's not about scientific knowledge.
1: Right, and that's what you've also talked about when you're talking about like the the um, MCATs and the LSATs. That you you're not a lawyer yet, and you're not a doctor yet, so you're taking these tests based upon the same type of philosophy of you know, can you figure out the answers given what you're what you have in front of you?
2: Uh, ex- exactly, and I think that once student can ch- students can change their mindset. Because I think sometimes test anxiety have to battle. So when they go in there and they're thinking, oh, I'm not good in science, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bomb the science section. Well, they, they may bomb it just because of their attitude of thinking they're not good in science. When if you can, you know, let the light bulbs turn on, and let people know, guess what? It doesn't matter. You don't have to be good in science, uh, to, do, to do well. And so I think that really helps students so much, uh, on, on any of these tests. You know, you don't have to be the top of your class. And if, like we get valedictorians all the time who bomb these tests. You know, I've got a great testimonial on my YouTube channel. It's twin boys, and I believe they're from Ohio. And they used my SAT program, and both boys got the national merit range on their PSATs, and one boy got a 30, I think a 34, and the other one got a 35 on their ACT. And they only use one program. So, you know, you know. and I'm eventually going to do more of a specific ACT program, only not because of my program doesn't work on or applicable on ACT, but only just because people, there's so many people don't, that don't believe me. And so many times when I go to some of the middle states, you know, I have to, you know, educate people because uh, they're always saying, well, we only do the ACT here. Or, or their schools only promote the ACT, and I have to really just, you know, show them that it doesn't really matter which one your child takes. But because of people not going, well, I'm going to go find an ACT program. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I will eventually do something more specific, but it's not necessary, you know. If you just If you just understand the concepts behind test-taking skills and how there's a crossover of that information, then, you know, then you can do well, like you said, regardless of, you know, which test it is.
1: That sounds good. And I think, you know, you kind of um, hit the nail on the head when you talked about test anxiety because I know, um, I actually, we did a podcast on that, and I'll try to find it and put the link on this um, on the show notes for this podcast on episode 62 at com forward slash podcast, and then how to AC, um, ACT. All right, so the... Questions that kids want to know is how long do you get per question?
2: You know, and and what's crazy about the timing is the same thing that I hear about the SAT. Funny thing is you get less time on the ACT, and people don't realize that, and once you break it down, they're like, whoa, I have no idea. So let me kind of break it down for you because, again, this is why knowing test-taking strategies is so important because we don't have several minutes to work out a math problem or a several minutes to read it six passages and read you know answer tons of questions you just don't that's why you have to know the strategies so for example the english section on the act you're given 75 questions 45 minutes to do it in so this gives you a whopping 36 seconds per question on the math uh-huh. you get 60 questions i know is that crazy you get 60 that's minutes crazy. and 60 seconds a question. Oh, exactly. So, this is why you've got your smart students. Let's say they're really good in math, again, doing very terrible because, again, how they're attacking the test or approaching the test is like a math class showing their work and showing every step. So, you get about a minute per question. You get a minute per question on the math. The reading, you've got 40 questions, 35 minutes, which comes down to 52 seconds a question. And the science section, again, you've got 40 questions. They give you 55 minutes uh, to do it in. So, again, a little over a minute per question. And then uh, the essay, they they did a a change on the essay time, um, which um, was really funny because it was a very subtle change that they didn't even make any fanfare about. Back when the SAT changed, the ACT had their own changes, but nobody really knew about it. And one of the things they changed was the essay, and they gave the students 40 minutes to answer a prompt question. So you're going to have to respond with some kind of persuasive answer based on some kind of prompt question, generally having to do with uh, dress code at school or something to do with high school life. So, uh, you know, again, AC, ACT essay is optional like the SAT uh, um, essay. Uh, of course, as, as you know, I'm a big believer in always writing the essay just because mm-hmm. of right. all the benefits that, you know, come your way. Yeah, I I had my kids do that as well.
1: You're right. Okay, so I know you must, you know, having taught these classes for all these years, you must know um, about some little um, tricks and secrets and stuff. So, what what do you what can you share with us about that in particular um,
2: to the ACT? For tricks and secrets on the ACT?
1: Yeah, you know, like the secret you know, chance to you know, take it and things like that. Yeah.
2: Yes, this is really pretty cool. I have to tell you, when I found out about this, I immediately put, you know, I was in the middle of writing a, a book called 23 uh, Inside Secrets to Standardized Tests, and I was, you know, I think we we did a podcast on that, how mm-hmm. we basically, um, you know, revealed things that people didn't know, and a lot of it came from just my 14 years of being in a test prep business and things that um, people just are blown away by, and people don't want me to tell them, but I, you know, I certainly love to share hush-hush information. But one of the things that I discovered was uh, what was called the residual ACT. Now, what's really neat about this, the ACT itself is offered six times a year nationally. But the residual ACT can actually be taken at – Non-conventional times throughout the year. So, for example, you know, so many times students, you know, they've got sports on Friday night and they're up late, or or they work, and you know, the ACT is basically offered on the Saturday morning. So it really sometimes mm-hmm. can hinder students. Um, but the residual hard. ACT is actually it's actually given on many campuses uh, several times a year. Sometimes even weekly. Um, so, so many benefits for this residual ACT, because, again, you can take it at your time. You don't have to worry about it being affected by something going on on a Friday night and you having to get up the next morning and take it. Um, another thing is you can avoid the late fees and deadlines by paying at the college itself. Now, one of the things that you have to know about the residual ACT is that it's only good for that particular school. So, let's say you're, you you want to go to a certain school and you go take the residual ACT, the score will only apply to that school and not another school. Uh, but again, if the other school offers it, then you can take it there as well. Uh, so keep that in mind. And you know, the great thing is you get your results very quickly, so you'll know pretty much right away um, whether you need you know you want to go take it again. And like I said earlier, one more point on your ACT could could actually mean another twenty thousand dollars a year for you. Very good. And then you have a bunch of
1: links that you um, – or some links you want to share with us. So what would those be?
2: I do. I think there's some really important links uh, to uh for families to know, just to research on their own. Um, one is which colleges will superscore the ACT? Well, if you want a list of those colleges, go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash ACT superscore. Um, and that way you can actually, you know, Check for yourself. I'm sure it's always been updated, but – or make sure that it's, you know, know, that the college is still participating in it, so that will help you. Um, And then, you know, we talked about the essay. You know, again, a lot of kids don't want to write the essay if it's not required, even though I do recommend that they always write the essay. If you want to know for sure that your college requires it or not, again, I'm sure it's always been updated. Again, use the redirect link, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash required ACT essay and that will help you. And then I think one of the things that people, uh, this can be easily Googled or if you want a, a, an easy redirect link and you want to know what score converts to what on the SAT and ACT, uh, go to my redirect link collegeprepgenius.com forward slash SAT ACT conversion chart. And, and that will kind of help you because then you can kind of know, okay, my SAT score is this. What does that equate to an ACT score or vice versa? And then let me give you kind of another little known secret here uh, as we wind this down. And that is it's really important to know the conversion chart because some schools will give more money on one score over the other. So let's say your student took the SAT and got um you know, a certain score on it, and then the ACT converts to the, you know, a similar score. But let's say the similar score is higher and there's more money offered, then what you would do when you go to, you know, apply for the school is just say, listen, will you convert the score over to the ACT or SAT, whichever, you know, whichever's higher. So again, that's, you can use that to your advantage by knowing that.
1: Wow, that is, that's great. I did not know that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jean. I really appreciate your time, and I'm excited about um, we're going to be talking in the next podcast about the ABCs of early college. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.